Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our Healthy Harrison podcast. We bring it to you each week at this time, 1230 on Fridays, live, uh, and we present a program designed to help you uh, change your state, that being living a healthier, happier, more nutritious uh, lifestyle. Uh, I'm your host, Gary Bowden, and co-hosting with me today is Brock Malcolm. Brock is the president of Healthy Harrison. Brock, welcome. Thanks, Gary. Good to be here. Got, got past the internet issues. You did this a couple of weeks ago when I was missing, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's good to be back. You ready to jump careers? Uh, no. No, I'll probably just, <laughs> yeah. probably just stay as a, a healthcare lawyer for a while. Okay, good for you. We are streaming this program live on the Healthy Harrison Facebook page, as well as the state distribution network of our media partner, wvnews.com. Every week at this time, we chat with individuals who are invested in the same mission as Healthy Harrison, that being to foster uh, measurable improvement uh, to the health and well-being of the citizens in North Central West Virginia, particularly. And on a broader note, uh, we'd like to expand this to all of West Virginia someday, uh, if in fact our efforts are successful. So our guests today are both from WVU. Dr. Tara Halsey is Vice President of Health Promotion and Wellness and Dean and E.J. Martin Endowed Professor at West Virginia University School of Nursing. Welcome, Tara. Thank you. And Dr. Amy Sidwell is the Program Director of the Office of Health Promotion and Wellness at West Virginia University. And she is a Master Certified Health Education Specialist. Welcome, Amy. Thank you so much. And we are going to uh, jump right into this, but we're going to jump into it with some softball questions like, uh, Tara, we'll start with you simply explaining your role through this office at WVU. Sure. Actually, as you mentioned, I wear two, two hats. Um, as the Dean of the School of Nursing, I oversee four campuses and I'm getting ready to open a fifth campus in Bridgeport, um, shooting for spring of 2023. And then my, in my role of um, Vice President for Health Promotion and Wellness, that is a university-wide role. And I work to leverage the resources to serve the faculty, staff, and the students and our community. I convene our office's planning steering committee, which is a group of senior leaders that are from all areas of the university to ensure that we have key stakeholder communication. So this very important university-wide initiative was launched with a very generous gift from Natalie and Wes Bush, who are both graduates of WVU University. And, and Amy, would you explain your position then at WVU and also uh, the connectedness with the community-based wellness activities that you've been involved with. Sure. Yeah. As the director of the Office of Health Promotion and Wellness, uh, my primary responsibilities include uh, facilitating the work of five priority action teams. Those groups meet monthly, and we also have an advisory council. That advisory council meets four times a year. So we have a whole bunch of people across the university system they volunteer their time to help us set strategic priorities for the university. And, and are, that sounds are, very interesting. Uh, let, let, me, sorry, Gary. let me ask first, uh, uh, Brock, uh, have you worked with some specific communities in West Virginia already, Amy? 
Uh, yes. Um, in, in this role in particular, we've been working um, quite closely with uh, with Mon County and um, okay. one of the initiatives that we have going on is working on uh, mental health first aid. And so um, that's something where we recently trained a number of our, uh, our faculty and our staff at the university, but we also open seats for community members as well. Okay, and I think we were gonna to get to that a little bit later, but I was just curious of geographically some of the other communities in West Virginia that perhaps you've, uh, you've worked with. Okay, Brock, I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. So, so Tara, I, I guess uh, maybe you could tell us just a little bit more about just exactly how the Office of Health Promotion and Wellness supports general well-being throughout uh, the university and the community. Sure. Well, uh, we're working with partners across the university system. We actually identified well-being priorities, and we support a number of projects and programs that are aligned with the university's priorities. So we provide direct uh, financial support to programs that we've identified as priority and also collaborate with other units to secure budgetary and personnel support. So, but the ultimate goal is to identify initiatives that are effective and expand those statewide and beyond. So that's the ultimate goal here, really to um, have a strategic plan and support initiatives that are identified as priority initiatives that align with our model and the priorities of the university and then to use those successful initiatives to expand again throughout the state and beyond. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, Amy, uh, I know that uh, WVU obviously has a, a well-being framework that it's putting in place and continuing to try to develop. In, in reading a little bit more about that, um, we came across the West WVU's uh, well-being wheel. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about uh, what you're working on in terms of the framework and how that, what exactly the well-being wheel is. Sure, um, we, like, we like to call the, <laughs> we, we like to call the WVB wheel the, the framework that drives wellness initiatives. And so we have identified a number of wellness priorities. Uh, those include physical well-being, social, community, purpose, financial, and emotional well-being. Um, emotional well-being, we really believe, is, is um, stranded or threaded throughout each of those other well-being areas. So um, pretty much the work that we do, um, we make sure that it's really aligned with that framework. Yeah, we, here at Hubby Harrison, we've, we've tried to do something similar with, um, you know, we concentrate on mind, move, and eat. Um, you know, so we get the nutrition, we get the exercise, but, but having a, a, a healthy mindset and, and addressing people's need for, uh, you know, behavioral health or, uh, you know, not only behavioral health services, but just a sense of community. So that's, that's great that you're interweaving that into everything that you do. Yeah, Brock, I knew that, you know, when we were developing this framework, we actually conducted focus groups with faculty, staff, and students across the university. And our questions really were based on Gallup data, um, but we, I'd use these focus groups to find out what the most important wellness concepts were for the university. And so this is the model that really drives everything. And um, it's like the framework that we use for, for our strategy. Great. Let me remind uh, those joining us that uh, our podcast is, uh, is here because we've got some great sponsors and underwriters that have helped us. They are WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media, which actually helps us uh, produce the podcast each week. Uh, 
Terry, Terry, let me go go to you before we go too much further. Because we're talking, I mean, we know what I think most of us know what wellness is. I, my, my simple de definition would be the aptness of, absence of sickness. But but what do we specifically mean by well-being? Well, as you know, as we were talking about the well-being wheel, if you will, or the framework, um, it's very holistic. And uh, if you look at the concepts, it really covers all. Um, aspects and and we really feel like emotional runs through every one of those. But um, in early January, our office put out a well-being survey um, that was based on those priority areas. We actually had over 900 responses, and the positive aspects that we found were that people felt like they have a sense of purpose and they have meaningful connections with others. But there's room for improvement when it came to emotional well-being, as well as people, people feeling appreciated. So um, I don't think the emotional part was much of a surprise. Um, definitely mental health is a top priority across the nation, mm -hmm. uh, the globe actually at this point. But um, that's really how we view and, and has been our approach to addressing well-being. And if you... I may. Oh, oh go ahead, Amy. Sure. I, I actually, um, as, as I looked at that survey data, I was actually really surprised to find out that two-thirds of the people who responded said that they felt really empowered to take care of their physical well-being. And that really surprised me because having worked in West Virginia for so long, I know that we have been so focused on getting people to move more and we've been focused on getting people to eat better. Um, you know, we've got a lot of metabolic disease. We've got a lot of type 2 diabetes in our state. Um, We've got a lot of substance misuse. Um, we've got we've got issues of poverty. Right. Um, so so as I look at the data and I look at emotional well-being, I think about some of those diseases of despair, things like substance uh, substance use mis uh, disorder uh, and and mental health disorders. So as as we're thinking about emotional well-being, you know we're thinking about it from a prevention framework because if we can prevent some of those. Um, issues from becoming chronic, um, then that's certainly going to um, save money um, and, and affect financial well-being. And it's going to have an impact on social well-being as well. So, um, so that, that, uh, that survey data, I think, was really helpful in, in, uh, in, in narrowing our focus. Tara, how do you, uh, I think, I think you've, you've looked at the university itself enough to now have uh, an opinion or a view of well-being at the university, which what is thousands, a couple thousand people at least. H how do you compare that? I don't know if there's a way to compare it, but how do you look at that? How do you observe that and then uh, make an observation on well-being across the entire state of West Virginia? Well, I think, you know, findings like, uh, you know, the survey that we've mentioned are extremely helpful in really gauging the well-being of our university. Uh, I don't think that these findings are very different uh, from similar the country. Um, COVID, of course, is playing into this a lot, um, especially when you talk about emotional well-being. So I, I don't think that, of course, you know, West Virginia has uh, an enormous amount of health problems as um, Amy was describing and we all know. But um, in general, I don't think that the gauge from what we've had, you know, of the results so far 
are not that far off of many other places around the country. So it's not the issues and the challenges that we have are not necessarily really unique to WVU or the state of West Virginia. Mm -hmm. The, the uh, you touched on it a little bit and, and my next question was uh, pandemic related. You mentioned uh, COVID. I was gonna ask you if there's been an observable or measurable significant change on both fronts, WVU and the state of West Virginia related to or as a result of the pandemic? Well, you know, yes, uh, definitely the mental health issue has come to a big head. Uh, that has been huge uh, with the pandemic. I personally have been involved in uh, research studies related to resiliency in faculty and students around, um, you know, during COVID. And there, it's been huge and it's not really surprising. And again, that's not unique to the university. Um, so, you know, we, but, you know, the university has a lot of resources currently available around uh, mental health. And we've really taken that as a top priority for the university um, in relation to health promotion and wellness. Uh, we have, and I think, um, you know, definitely want, well, I'll mention this again, but um, an inventory that we have on our website that lists all the resources that we have currently that we're aware of, which is the only house that lists all the research, uh, the resources that we're currently aware of um, across the university. We have a number of, of course, new initiatives, which we'll talk about, um, but the, definitely we already have that as a focus and a top priority. Amy, did you want to weigh in on that, the, the COVID slash pandemic impact on well-being? Sure, yeah, and I'll just, just echo what Tara said, that uh, West Virginia University is doing a tremendous amount of research around uh, COVID and particularly on health and wellness. And in fact, there's a team working on it right now that has uh, some preliminary data that they're getting ready to share with us. Um, and once we have uh, that information, that'll help us too in, in our programming. It wasn't anything that, that we directed, but um, gosh, it's really helpful when, when, when people are doing similar work that we're able to collaborate. So I think that'll be very helpful. Mm -hmm. You know, we obviously, I think it's, it, we've seen across the board people experiencing uh, new challenges, it brings new stressors, uh, certainly emotional issues with, with adults and, and kids having unique problems, being separated from friends and school and, 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 and being at home maybe too much while schools were closed. Um, Amy, what, what offers, what resources does your office provide? And, and maybe you could talk about ways that you're working to try to address those needs. Sure, and, and I'm a parent, and so I had one of my kids at home who was fully remote all year, and uh, my, my other is uh, just finished her freshman year at WVU, and um, some of her fellow students were calling it, um, oh gosh, I think they called it Zoom College, so she was fortunate. She had a few classes in person, but um, you know, those are challenges uh, to be sure. And I think that, um, you know, some, so many of us have these shared experiences and we have empathy for people who have, who have gone through this, uh, through this last year and a half. Um, as far as resources, the university has resources for our faculty and staff uh, to, um, for example, uh, for uh, childcare stipends. 
Uh, there's also a stipend for our students who are parents to help them as well. Um, in terms of uh, community resources that are available, um, those are something where we can connect people uh, to WVU Extension. They have done a tremendous job in pivoting from uh, the support that they provided to communities in person to not only doing it online, but um, but also meeting people where they were. So doing things that were outdoors, um, it, just a tremendous amount of work. And I, and I just really, um, you know, can't uh, praise uh, WVU Extension enough for the, the outreach work that they managed during the pandemic. So Tara, I know your office is also um, uh, working on a number of projects. You mentioned that earlier and recently um, you supported a, a request for proposal process. Um, maybe you could talk a little bit about how that RFP process went and, and whether you've uncovered any new projects that your staff is excited to be working with. Yes, we did. Um, after we did the well-being survey, um, we really felt like it was important to fund initiatives that were aligned with our, our well-being priorities. So we sought out um, the good ideas across the university through a request for proposals process and our priority action teams were very involved in this. They developed the process and did the initial reviews of the proposals. Our office received 17 awesome proposals. And oh, that's great. yes, uh, very well received. The priority action teams reviewed those, rep those proposals and made funding recommendations to our planning steering committee. And so after we reviewed all of those, we were able to fund eight of those projects. And so we're actually going to be highlighting those individually over the coming months. Um, but evaluation is going to be extremely key for all of these projects in order to identify effectiveness. One of our projects is, has already begun data collection. The other seven are in the implementation phase. But again, evaluation is going to be extremely um, important. And it is throughout, you know, we have a strategic plan for the uh, health promotion and wellness um, for the university and evaluation of that is top priority too. We don't want to just be doing things that we think make us feel good and might be effective. We want to be able to prove they're effective. Um, because again, the ultimate goal is to be able to expand this much more broad than just the university. Let me remind uh, folks tuned in again that the Healthy Harrison podcast could not help, uh, could not happen without the help of our sponsors, WVU Medicine United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, the State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media, the producers of our podcast. Uh, Amy, you, uh, you started to mention first aid, uh, I think mental health first aid, a little bit earlier uh, and, and you manage initiatives related to that. I'd like you to get into that a little bit more and tell us about it and also your involvement with uh, Drug Take Back Day, which I think most people have probably heard of before. Sure, absolutely. Well, um, if I may, I'll, I'll turn that back to, to Tara on the mental health first aid and then I'd love to tell you about the, the National Drug Take Back Perfect. Days. Perfect. So the mental health first aid, a big project that we've um, just recently undertaken, we worked with the division, division of Student Life to train instructors. We had 14 faculty and staff from the university 
that got certified and we had one trainee from a community organization. So we are collaborating with community groups, including as Amy mentioned earlier, the Mon County Health Department to make sure that the training is widely available. Um, so participating in the mental health first aid workshop gives people the skills that they need to respond to mental health and to substance abuse issues. And I can say we have had a tremendous response um, of interest, uh, both in the community as well as the university to this project. Super excited about it. Um, just launched it recently and it is off and running. And it's gonna be, I think it will have a huge impact on our community and our university. And one of the things I like about mental health first aid is that um, not only does it address mental health issues, but it also addresses substance use issues as well. Um, so that, that ties in really nicely with what we have going on with uh, medication collection. Um, over the last year, we started working with our university police department to figure out a way um, to be able to take unwanted medicines, unused medications, um, and, and just really keep them from getting dangerous. And so we started looking to see what kind of disposal methods there were. And so we started partnering with a vendor um, to host a medication collection. And so at the University Police Department, that's located on Elmer Prince Drive in Morgantown, there is this uh, blue metal box. It's a kiosk and it's, um, it's, it's just, it looks like a postal box really. Mm -hmm. And it's a place where people can go 24 seven to drop off any unused medications. Uh, people don't have to talk to a police officer. They just go in, they drop their medicine in the box and then, and then it's done, it's taken care of. Um, we, um, so that box is um, accessible at the police department 24 seven, 365 days a year. And there's even free visitor parking at the, the police department. So we think that's pretty great. As far as um, the big events that we host around medication take back, uh, we've been doing National Drug Take Back Day, and that occurs in October and April of every year. And so we've hosted events uh, at, the, at the Coliseum, for example. And so that's another opportunity when anybody from the general public can come. There's no cost associated with that. And it's just a really nice way um, we have collected gallons and gallons and gallons of, of medicines. And uh, just recently I saw the report from the Drug Enforcement Agency, um, just, just the medicines we've collected at, at WVU. Um, we're, just, we're just thrilled by that. We, we think that's a, a good project and we're excited to continue that. Amy, those of us just in the general public watching the news, hearing West Virginia news, can't often be very optimistic about the drug problem in the state of West Virginia from your vantage point. Is there some reason to be optimistic? <laughs> well, I do from that, from that perspective. Yeah. I think um, just getting, getting awareness that something kind of um, that, that seems like it might not be dangerous, something that might not be harmful, um, just letting people know that you know, we just, we just don't need access to that. Um, let's, let's, let's get rid of so many extra medications in our homes and, and, and let's just keep them from being dangerous. So I think and, the awareness is helpful. I'm just going to bring it up because it came to my mind when you mentioned that no, no police are going to be around or whatever, you just drop it off uh, discreetly. Uh, I, I would presume if your name is on the label, you can be assured that nobody's going to be following up as well. That's correct. I think, yes. you know, yeah, I think people should be confident that that, you know, that it is uh, uh, private. So, well, let, Absolutely. Me, 
Gary, I'd say too, I'm really surprised at how the community has responded to this. We have had a huge, we had the two big events, um, one at the Coliseum uh, most recently, and a huge response. So the community is, and I think, so, you know, to echo what Amy said, as far as uh, awareness, I think it's it's working um, because we've had so many people respond to it and show up to dispose of their medications this way. Well, well while we're on this, and, and I'll, I'll toss this out for both of you. I mean, not everyone wants to open up about personal mental health issues that they might already know about or perhaps are uncertain. They might not know about or know what their problem is. What advice can you share? Well, I, I think that definitely being transparent with um, medical providers is really important. You know, a lot of times people are reluctant to tell healthcare providers um, that maybe they can't afford a medication or that maybe there are problems at home or that they're having depression, battling with depression. Right. Um, but if patients don't share those issues, then we're not, we're at a disadvantage of being able to help them. So there are solutions that we can tailor specifically to individual healthcare needs, but, you know, we can't address them if we don't know about them. So I would just very much encourage, you know, everyone who is battling with anything health related to really seek out medical um, assistance and be transparent about those issues. Amy, did you want to weigh in on that one? I would love to. Uh, yes. And, um, you know, as a health educator, I will always want to be sure that people are getting the most accurate um, recommendations. And so I would echo what Tara said. You know, we really need to be sure that people are seeing a, a qualified provider. Um, my, my advice really would be that people, people are looking for um, resources on .gov, .edu, um, .org websites as opposed to Facebook and Google. Um, but, you know, and, and Tara mentioned, you know, sometimes people are reluctant to share with us that, that they may be struggling. And, you know, one of the, one of the big issues, um, you know, we have such a sense of pride in West Virginia and um, people may be reluctant to say that they are um, struggling financially. And, um, you know, there are free resources actually in, in West Virginia. Um, we're really excited about a, a few that, um, that, that we know well at WVU. Uh, one of them is called mhelp.org. Um, it is a, a project that can help people address anxiety, um, sadness, a lack of energy. It, there's a research-based component to it. So if someone is interested, they go to that mhelp.org website and they put in a little bit of information and then they get referred to um, a, a special app for their phone where they can, can receive help. Uh, there's another app-based program from a company called Chez Health. Um, the state of West Virginia actually contracts with that vendor. And so for people who have substance use disorders or people who are in recovery, what's so great about that Chez Health, Chez Health app, that connections, it's called a connections app, is that people can connect or text with a, um, a provider. They can text with real, real people who are mm -hmm. also in recovery and they can get support anytime they need it. So both of those are free resources that, um, that I hope people will, will take advantage of if they're struggling financially. I can have John Paul follow up with, with you and make sure we get those on our Facebook page and our healthyharrison.org uh, website. That's, that's good information. 
you know, you both hit on uh, just the stigma of, of asking for help is something that historically has been such a huge hurdle for so many people. And, and um, uh, obviously health centers, hospitals are doing what they can to started and clearly health educators such as as the two of you play such a huge role in in that process maybe you uh, we'll start with you para maybe you could just tell us a little bit about how you uh how your career moved along to get to the point where you became a specialist in health care and health education sure i'd be glad to. well i always wanted to be a nurse i wanted to be a nurse from a very young age um, i'm from a family that's very service oriented and purpose driven uh, my grandfather was a minister and my grandmother and my mother were both educators. And so I went straight into nursing in college. I obtained a BSN from Clemson University. I went um, into high-risk perinatal nursing. That's my specialty area for practice. I practiced in a teaching hospital. And um, so I had a lot of uh, nursing students and medical students that I was around and found that I really loved teaching. So I went back for a master's degree um, in maternal child nursing and began teaching part-time. That opened up some doors to a role that I uh, took on where I oversaw eight counties of our perinatal region in the South and was responsible for teaching uh, nurses and physicians in those eight counties in level one and two hospitals, which are the lower risk hospitals on how to manage high risk OB patients and also to track transports and outcomes across those eight counties. Um, so that led me to an interest in nursing research. And I went back to obtain a PhD in nursing science and conducted a lot, have conducted a lot of research in perinatal outcomes, but among a lot of other health um, related research issues as well. And as I mentioned, most recently I've been involved in a team looking at resiliency um, among faculty and students related to COVID. Um, so that, you know, all of those, that opened a door for me to move into academics and I've been in academics for, gosh, I'm not really going to say it's been a very long time, <laughs> very long time, time's flying, but I love it. Um, and all of that has really led to the roles that I currently serve. Um, I've always loved nursing. I love the profession. I think, um, it really has so many opportunities, uh, so many different things that you can do and, and evolve into. And I'm just really fortunate to hold the roles that I currently do and, and love both of them very much. That's it's an incredible journey. We thank you for being with us. Uh, Amy, um, I know we're getting short on time, but maybe you could just give us a little overview of, of how you got to where you are now. Sure, I, I uh, moved to West Virginia to uh, pursue a master's in community health education. And um, through that master's degree, I had the best opportunity to get to work with um, so many people, um, not only regionally, but statewide. And that position, or pardon me, that, uh, that uh, program in uh, community health education really opened up a lot of doors. Um, in terms of, of career growth. And I worked as a community development specialist for substance abuse prevention. I provided technical assistance. Uh, and so that meant I got to go to um, any one of 16 counties all the way from the Northern Panhandle all the way to uh, Pocahontas County uh, in Charleston about once a month for that position. And uh, I worked um, later as a community wellness coordinator for Mon Health System. And uh, while I was there, my, my mom said, you're not done with school. 
And she was really insistent that I go back to college. And so I, I did. I'm a dutiful daughter. I went back to college. Hope you're watching. Um, shout out to my mom. Um, so, so I went back to school because she told me to and earned my PhD in kinesiology. And so I was, while I was there, I studied um, physical activity primarily. Um, from there, I became a tenured faculty member at Fairmont State, and I primarily taught community health education courses there. So all of that work, all of that statewide work, uh, I think really culminated in, into, um, you know, giving me a, a preparation for the role that I'm in now. Uh, much like Healthy Harrison, you know, we are really eager to expand statewide. Uh, we have certainly done that with reaching out with our, our partners on our, our regional campuses at WVU. And so I think that's one of the things that, that I'm, I'm most excited about is working with, with uh, people statewide, multidisciplinary teams. Mm -hmm. It's a whole lot of fun and I enjoy it. Well, it's such an interesting career path. And, and so if we have any, any students or younger people out there who have an interest in health, we thought it would be important to let them uh, know that these are jobs that are out there and that they can have a rewarding career and make a real difference in the state. So thank you for sharing. And I think based on what both of you are, have said, you're certainly uh, assets to West Virginia and we appreciate what you're doing as well as appreciate you joining us today to, uh, to share. I, I would like to conclude, if you don't mind, can either or both of you share a little career highlight now that we know how you got from point A to point Z? Sure, um, I'd be glad to kick that off. Um, certainly, you know, career highlight, definitely this role. It was not a role, the VP role that I was expecting. Um, it, it's been a, it's been a huge, um, it's a giant initiative. Um, and I'm thrilled with how far we've been able to come and with the direction that we're going in and where we are now and can't wait to move into getting some of the evaluation results back from our priority initiatives and, and really being able to go from there. So uh, that definitely uh, is a career highlight for me. Um, also, I would say, you know, I've served as president of the RN board for the state of West Virginia for the past five years, and that's been quite rewarding. And I really have enjoyed that. Um, and I, I'm currently serving in that role still. And another highlight for me would be expanding the School of Nursing. So um, when I came, we had three campuses, um, and now we're moving to five, and that's more than doubling our nursing enrollment and contributing to the nursing workforce that we need here in the state and uh, adding new programs. So, you know, as a land-grant university, I have as a priority uh, strategically making decisions that are based on the needs of the state of West Virginia, first and foremost. And so we've added... Um, four very big, great new programs that have been huge needs for the state. We just most recently um, started a mental health nurse practitioner program, also an adult uh, health GERO nurse practitioner program. We are in our third year of a nurse anesthetist program. And we also um, launched a faith-based community nursing program, which has been very popular. So, uh, and, and we also uh, have started the university's first dual on online program, which is an MSN MBA program. So I really would say that those are definitely career highlights for me. Um, just love what I'm doing here. And I know that my work is not even close to being done yet. 
Amy, that's a that's a tough list to follow. But do you want to sh share one or more of your career highlights before we wrap? That is a tough act to follow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm really just my career highlights are that I have been so fortunate to work with the people that I have. It's it's actually been you know it's been wonderful. I, I've I've loved working with Tara. Um, the leadership team that she put together is fantastic. Um, I get to collaborate with our priority action teams, our advisory council, um, and one of the things I'm most proud of is actually seeing my students as they begin to take on leadership roles in community health. I really enjoy that. Well, uh, again, uh, and of course now you can add being part of the Healthy Harrison podcast to career highlights most, <laughs> most certainly, but we yeah. do uh, in all seriousness, seriousness want to thank you. Uh, we mentioned at the outset that we try to get folks that are um, focused directly on what we're trying to do uh, as Healthy Harrison and and create uh, healthier folks, create healthier habits uh, for the people here locally, but certainly create a program one day that can spread throughout the state of West Virginia. So uh, we thank you, Dr. Tara Halsey, and we thank you, Dr. Amy Sidwell, and not just for you know, what you're doing at WVU, but certainly what you're doing uh, uh, for the entire state of West Virginia. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much. Yeah, and Brock, thanks for uh, jumping in here today, golly, your your little hotspot worked, huh? Yeah, well, we carried the day, so uh, yeah, yeah, we had a, a little bit of a, a panic about the internet there. No, we, we, we made it. And go ahead. I want to echo. Thank you both so much for your uh, for your time and, and the important information that you shared today. Thank you. Thanks for having. Thank you. Thanks for everyone for joining us today on the Healthy Harrison podcast. It's our goal to change your state of mind and ultimately change the state of health, both here in the local area and throughout West Virginia. If you want more help right now, visit healthyharrison.org, or you can visit Healthy Harrison on Facebook. You'll find lots of support, and we'll try to create some connections to some of the information that was shared uh, here today. Again, we thank our sponsors, WVU Medicine, United Hospital Center, West Virginia University, The State Journal, wvnews.com, and Interaction Media. Brock and I, uh, again, finally wrapping up, thank our guests for today uh, and the Interaction Media team for producing our program. Uh, we want you always to live life better by living healthy. And we remind you that we're here every Friday at 1230. Uh, and next week, we're going to be talking about the Clarksburg 10K. So we hope you'll join us for that. Uh, thank you again. Have a nice weekend. And we appreciate you joining us.